from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk about the Giants' 8-3 win over the Rockies yesterday. A lot to get into from the game. Tyler Beattie was pitching magnificently, maybe as well as we've ever seen him throw, but then he had to depart in the fourth inning as he appeared to injure his oblique. So in a sense, it's good timing, and in a sense, it was bad timing. So we'll talk about that. There was also another article in The Athletic that I have a problem with that has been a definite recurring theme this season. So we're going to discuss, uh, it was about Kevin Pillar and his value and what it means about Farhan Zaidi, whether or not they bring him back. And then we'll also discuss some remaining points from this game, this Giants win. It was a really good day for young players who should be a part of the future. First thing I want to get into is this article about Kevin Pillar, written by Andy Baggerly, found on The Athletic. So essentially, the focus of this piece is about Kevin Pillar and his contract situation entering 2020. So the situation is that he is entering his last year of arbitration eligibility. And so by December 2nd, the Giants have to make a decision whether or not to tender him a contract. And what that means, if they do not tender him a contract, he becomes a free agent. And if they do tender him a contract, they're essentially agreeing to go through potentially all the way up to arbitration. So Pilar, as an arbitration-eligible player entering 2019, is earning a $5.8 million salary. So he's due for a raise. He's doing quite well in the numbers that, unfortunately, are the numbers that tend to determine arbitration salaries. And those numbers are the old-school traditional numbers like average home runs, RBIs, and steals. So Baggerly is correct that he's due for a significant raise, could be as high as 9 to $10 million. So I actually agree with the premise that it's not a guaranteed lock that the Giants will tender Pilar a contract, but I, I do think at this point that it is likely, and I'm going to say why. But the line that I have a problem with is as follows, quote, front offices no longer reward counting stats the way they once did. They do prize on base percentage, however, and Pilar's 284 OBP is the fourth lowest among 139 qualified major league hitters. They also prize strikeout-to-walk ratio, and Pilar's 5.18 strikeout-to-walk ratio is tied for the fifth worst. The deadline to tender contracts is December 2nd. In a black-and-white sense, the Giants' decision on Pilar will serve as a clear referendum on how married to the metrics Farhan Zaidi's baseball operations group will be. So there are several issues with this argument to me. And number one is that Kevin Pillar has always been this way. And so the fact that the Giants traded for Kevin Pillar in April 
and said that they, that he had been a target of theirs all off season tells me that right away that that line about how whether or not they bring him back is a clear referendum on how married to the metrics Farhan Zaidi and his group is going to be that doesn't make any sense at all and the other point that's totally missing the mark here is that analytics does not just equal on base percentage and strikeout to walk ratio you know it's nice to have a good strikeout to walk ratio but Value is value, and if you're able to contribute in other areas, you can have a really good strikeout-to-walk ratio and be bad, or you can have a really bad strikeout-to-walk ratio and be good, or at least have value in some way. And the same can be said of on-base percentage. The reason we care about on-base percentage, and the reason it gets a lot of attention as a sabermetric thing, is that for a long time people paid no attention to it, and so we're just over here saying, hey, you have to pay attention to this. This is part of the equation. But that doesn't mean it's the only part of the equation, and Pilar, again, has always been this way. He's always like a 300 on base percentage at best type of player, and yet they still targeted him. It wasn't like they targeted him just to appease Bruce Bochy and just to appease the fans. Kevin Pillar adds value in other ways, and that's just who he is. And so the fact that they went after him in the first place means that they value him. So to suggest that whether or not they bring him back is going to indicate whether or not they believe in analytics or not just makes zero sense at all. So the thing about Pillar is where does he add additional value? It's on the bases. He's been one of the best base runners in baseball this year, and that's you know, that takes into account a number of different factors like making outs on the bases, going first to third, first to home, second to home. Pretty much anything you do on the bases gets factored into this equation, and he has been a well above average contributor on the bases this season. Another way is that he plays a solid defensive center field, which is a premium defensive position, and so you add value just by being solid out there at a premium position. Another way Pilar adds value is that he has power. His 173 ISO is pretty good, especially for a player at Oracle Park. So he may not get on base all the time, but when he gets hits, which is not that infrequently, he often hits for extra bases. And then because of his speed, he makes an impact on the bases. And so put it all together, and Pilar, you know, if you look at his career dating back to 2015, He's been a two or more win player in terms of wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs, since 2015. This year, it's a little bit down. Fangraphs has him at 1.3 wins above replacement. But this is why war is so important, because it's not just about on-base percentage. It's not just about strikeout-to-walk ratio. It's 100% about the whole package of the player, and, and if you're if you're deficient in those areas, but make up for it in other areas, it doesn't matter that you have a bad on-base percentage, and you can still provide a certain level of value that is worth a certain cost. And if that cost is below your value, then they are going to be interested in bringing you back. And of course, you have to factor in age-related decline. And someone like Pilar, you do worry more about that because the low on-base percentage means there's not a floor of getting on base there. So if all of a sudden his speed goes away, he provides pretty much nothing anymore except maybe a little bit of power at the plate. But if you're really below average at walking and getting on base, and then suddenly you're not a good defender anymore, and you're not a good base runner, then all of a sudden your your value just tanks. So in that sense, it is good 
to have a better you know plate discipline of course no one's going to argue that the perfect player has better plate discipline than Kevin Pillar but for one year the question is just what can you project from him for next season in terms of wins above replacement and what is the value of that production so this year Fangraphs has him at 1.3 wins above replacement which is worth on the open market 10.7 million dollars So let's just say, for simplicity's sake, you project him to have a similar season next year. It's worth about $11 million. So if they can sign him for eight or nine million and they project him to have a similar season, then it's worth it. And I would be surprised if they didn't bring him back for that price. So that's just what rubbed me the wrong way. It's this dichotomy like you either believe the metrics or you don't with Kevin Pillar. The metrics say he's bad. And the eye test says he's good. And that'll be the real test here is which side wins. But it's really not about that at all. If you look at all of the numbers, you see that Kevin Pillar has value. And that's what your eyes tell you as well. So anyway, just had to break that down fully. Coming up in the second half of the show, we'll talk about how several young giants made a strong impression yesterday and provided some hope for the future. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. With every pair purchased, a pair is donated. Go to bombas.com slash locked to get 20% off your first purchase. Everybody loves a night out, whether it's seeing your favorite team or seeing your favorite band in person. I want to talk about the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, where you can attend these shows and events and earn credit towards attending your next live event through Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price, section, row, sit exactly where you want to sit, all through the Vivid Seats app. And what makes them really stand out here is their Vivid Seats loyalty program, which allows you to earn credit back through something called Vivid Seats Rewards. You can download the Vivid Seats app at the App Store or Google Play Store, and you'll be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. You can attend the biggest concerts, the hottest games, postseason games, theater shows, and more. Download the app, automatically join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today, and make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. If you enter special promo code POSTSEASON at checkout, you can earn a discount of up to $100. We talk about baseball performance all the time on this show, but what about performance in the bedroom? That's right, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. They can be taken anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Yes, I actually know someone who has tried this product and they have extremely positive things to report about its effectiveness. The best part about Blue Chew is that it's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no more visit to the doctor's office, waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness around this topic. 
Blue Chew is made in the United States and prepares and shipped direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit www.bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB, and try it. It's free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, as promised, here in the second half of the show, we'll talk about some key points from this 8-3 to win by the Giants over the Rockies, taking two out of three in the series. Tyler Beatty was fantastic through three and a third, seven strikeouts, no base runners. In fact, the last pitch he threw was strike three, but then he immediately went down kind of grabbing his left side. So he was taken out of the game and is going to have an MRI. So in a sense, it was bad timing because of how well he was throwing. But in another sense, it's good timing because it would have been his last start of the season anyway. So he can just fully rest and let that thing recover heading into the offseason. And it was a great way, you know, you would have liked to see him throw more innings, obviously. But, you know, he finished the season on a very high note there. And... This is a case where the ERA and even the, some of the peripheral numbers don't tell the whole story of Tyler Beatty. That's not to say there aren't numbers that do indicate the talent that he has. I'm just not a fan of when we act as if numbers and what we see are incompatible. You just have to find the numbers that are backing up what you're seeing, and those numbers do tend to exist, and they're part of the equation. If you're just looking at one thing, you're being overly simplistic and you really have to understand the full spectrum of what exists to evaluate players and how that goes into projecting into the future. So anyway, on the offensive side of things, Mauricio Dubon had another good game. He went three for four with a double and a homer. And on the season now, he's been about 5% above average offensively and he's just been a positive contributor. And you like the way he just goes out there and has fun playing baseball. It really is refreshing. So he's been a shot in the arm. And then who else? The other guy who's been a total shot in the arm has been Mike Yastrzemski, who didn't start because there was a lefty starter on the mound. But as soon as a righty came in in relief, Yastrzemski pinch hit for Joey Rickard and hit an absolute tape measure home run over the high wall in Triples Alley. Very, very impressive by Mike Yastrzemski, who also doubled later in the game on a rocket to center field. So it got me thinking about Yastrzemski's performance since the All-Star break. And I looked back at National League outfield leaders since the break, which was, you know, the first game out was July 12th. And if you look at the NL outfield leaders by Fangraph's wins above replacement, we've got Ketel Marte, number one, Christian Yelich, number two, Bryce Harper, number three, Ronald Acuna Jr., number four, Juan Soto, number five, Mike Yastrzemski, number six, and Cody Bellinger, number seven. So this is just a, an elite list that Yastrzemski finds himself on. All six of those other players are extremely good and have a reputation for being extremely good. Cattell Marte is having a real extreme breakout season, so maybe most people don't understand just how good he's been and again he does find himself number one by a huge margin on this list but that is quite a list for Yastrzemski to find himself on at 2.2 Fangraphs wins above replacement since July 12th so he's hit just 270 times since July 12th and 
has a batting line of 290 with a 357 on base and 573 slugging with 16 home runs. Again, in 270 plate appearances. So my goodness, Yastrzemski has been on quite a tear here. And with the season just about to close, I would definitely say that his breakout performance is probably the highlight of the entire year. So it's exciting to think what he could do across a full season potentially, and just amazing to think about what he's done in the second half of the year. Anyway, coming up tonight, it'll be Walker Bueller, a right-handed pitcher, very talented young right-handed pitcher for the Dodgers, against Johnny Cueto for the Giants, although there has been some talk that Cueto may not make this start. So look out for that. And then it'll be Logan Webb against Hyunjin Ryu on Saturday and Madison Bumgarner against Rich Hill on Sunday to finish out the season and Bochy's Giants managerial career. So we made it, guys. We made it through the entire regular season. We'll be back with another episode on Monday talking about this weekend's games and kind of previewing the first week of the offseason and what we're going to talk about on this show. To get this show every single weekday, even into the offseason, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter at Cove underscore cast. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again on Monday, and until then, we'll see you next time. 